We're continuing in our studies in the book of Revelation, so if you're joining us as a visitor, you've landed up with a beast this morning, the other beast. We had the previous one from the sea last, week, uh, last time, this time we've got the beast from the land. And so, um, I hope it's not too much of a shock to you, we're kind of getting into it already, but um, let's see what God's Word says to us. So, uh, we're in Revelation chapter 14. Sorry, 13 and verse 11 to 18 this morning. Revelation chapter 13, verse 11 to 18. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. And it performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. So that's the first beast. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the the image of the beast to be slain. Also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. Well, this beast that we are going to look at this morning has captured the imagination of many unbelievers and believers. And it's because of this mark of the beast, this triple six, and his apparent power over commercial activities. And when it has to do with commerce, we always listen. And so the talk about and the discussion about this beast has ranged from horror films to record labels to car number plates to the names of energy drinks. It's even uh, gone to implanted chips in people to specific tattoos forced on all people. There's even been the discussion of the danger of visa cards and they'll draw the 666 somehow out of the visa card numbers. And this misunderstanding, because it is a misunderstanding about this passage, the misunderstanding over this passage has caused much concern and even more speculation. People have added up these figures And they've come up with the names of several historic and also current leaders from Nero to Donald Trump. (laughs) Poor Trump, he gets a lot of blame for all kinds. But what a distraction too for Christians, and that's where I want to speak to you about today. What a distraction for Christians. Because there's a whole Christian blog site that's dedicated to discussion of the number 666 in the Google symbol. And they spend hours on it. And what is lurking behind every new technology that's developed? This is Christians behind all this stuff. What a waste of time. What a waste of focus. 
What a waste of energy. What a mark of the beast at work. So what is this passage all about? Is it going to be this stuff? I'm sorry, no it's not. I've done it. Let's look at this beast. Let's look clearly at him. Verse 11. This beast comes from the land and it doesn't say it here but when, they come, when the beast or when evil comes from the land it's usually from the abyss. That's the association. And let's look at the description of this lamb. He looks, this beast driver, he looks like a lamb. But when he opens his mouth and speaks, he sounds like a dragon. So he's not what he really looks like. He's also called the false prophet. If you go ahead a little bit in Revelation, Revelation chapter 16 verse 13, he's described there. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirits like frogs. We're not going to the frogs now. But he's called the false prophet. So that's another alias for this beast. And when you look at him, he he seems less ferocious than the first beast. The first beast came out guns blazing as it were. He's very clear to see. But this beast comes out less ferocious but much more dangerous than the first one. And so we need to pay attention to him. You see, the first beast worked with pure strength and force like a conquering dictator. But this beast works with deceit. He works with stealth. He works with trickery. He works with a wow factor. And I'll come back to that. And he works with coercion. And he catches us from the blind side when we're not looking and when unbelievers are not looking. And he looks more like, he looks more gentle, he looks like a wolf in sheep's clothing and I found an exact replica of that picture. Beautiful picture. It's a real one by the way. Not. And he fools many by his looks. He looks like a lamb with two horns so he comes with power looking like a lamb, and he fools many by his looks. It's only a lamb with horns. But when he opens his mouth and he speaks, he speaks like a dragon. There's true natures revealed. He speaks like Satan. Untruth comes from his mouth. And this beast, when he opens his mouth, you won't hear blasphemous tirades against God like the first beast. He just proclaimed his hatred of God. Blasphemy. Very clear to hear and to see. But this beast comes with a gentle twisting of the truth. And if you don't know what the real lamb looks and sounds like, then you won't recognize this beast for who he really is. In actual fact, Scripture warns that you'll be won over by him because he's very good at what he does. He speaks with great authority and conviction. He's very successful at misleading unbelievers. He's a master at misleading unbelievers. But also he can cause believers who are weak in the faith and are not sure of their footing in Christ and what his word says to them, he can also cause them to falter and to fall. And that's why we must pay attention. 
as believers. Christ warns us about him. Matthew chapter 24, verse 24. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ himself says, the one who knows this beast only too well. Matthew 24, verse 24. This is what he says. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Now there's a lot there. So what the Lord is saying there is, if you are really born again, if your heart has been taken over by Jesus Christ, you will not be led astray by this beast. If you've had a real conversion, and if you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you know the voice of the shepherd, you will not be misled by this false prophet. But if you've had what you think is a conversion, if your heart is not really where it should be with the Lord, if you have not experienced the true life-giving power of Jesus in your life, if you don't really know the voice of the shepherd in your heart, you will be misled by this beast. So we need to take note. So what are the strategies this beast uses? Verse 12 to 17. Verse 12. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. So what is the one tactic it uses? It uses forced worship. Forced worship of the first beast. He's the first beast's heavy. Do you know what I mean? If you don't listen to and worship the first beast, I'm going to get onto your case. He points everyone to the first beast so that they'd worship him. He even gets people to create this image that looks like the first beast and he gives it powers. And he gets them to worship this image and I'll get to that as well. And if they don't worship, there are going to be consequences. Forced worship of the first beast. What are these things? False ideologies that it brings about. Between 1975 and 1979 in Cambodia, 30% of people were wiped out. 90% of the Church of Christ in that country was wiped out because of this beast and his ideologies. If you do not worship, you will pay the consequence. Worship the image of the first beast. And the powers responsible in that country were the Khmer Rouge under Pol Pot. What was the cause of these atrocities? The cause was the atheistic, man-centered beliefs. Marxist ideology became the image or the God that was created there. And this beast said, worship or die. Do you see his hand at work? And throughout history we've had various forms of this beast at work. Islamic State is currently a scourge on this planet. How many have been killed because of the, their ideologies? In the West, liberal democracies, humanistic thinking, how many more have to die because of the thinking involved when it comes to little babies, unborn babies, and euthanasia, which is ahead of us. You see this beast at work? 
So that's the one thing he uses, forced worship. The second strategy he uses is false worship. There's a difference. There's forced worship and then there's false worship. And this causes many people to fall. And this is where he uses the wow factor, descending down from, of fire from heaven to earth, causing all these big things to happen. Interestingly, we've got all these magicians, and I can't remember some of their names now, that are, that are kind of the wow thing happening on TV too, and they do all kinds of amazing things. They do. I wish I knew how they did those, but it's interesting to note what they do. So the one specific magician, I can't remember his name, he kind of, he's done a stunt in London where he walks on water. And I don't know how he does it, because it's a trick, but he walks on water. Why would you do that? The other one the same magician did was he went up to the South America where they've got that big statue and he went and copied. He also hung there in midair. Why would you do that specific stunt? Now I'm not saying this magician's the beast. I'm saying look at the fingerprint of the beast at work. Because why those things? You see, he brings these wow things about. And as soon as you hear um, that he, he brings... He sends down fire from heaven. What should the association be to John's hearers? Fire from heaven? Elijah and the prophets of Baal. What else? Where else do we hear about fire coming from heaven? Sodom and Gomorrah. And there are various other examples in Scripture. So that would be the association. Those were the real signs that God did. But these magicians, these false prophets, this second beast will mimic the real signs. And also the real signs performed by the two witnesses in chapter 11, verse 5 and 6 that we looked at previously. He will mimic them. Where else do we see this mimicking of these true signs? What's the big association, especially for the people of Israel? The plagues in Egypt, alright? Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 8 to 9 speaks about Janus and Jambres in Pharaoh's court, the actual magicians who were there, and they mimicked what Moses was doing. And then they couldn't go as far as Moses did, because it was a copy. But this false prophet will bring about signs that look like legitimate signs, but they will be imitations. And the warning is that many will wander off like planets into the the wider, whatever it's called out there. Yeah, I can't remember now. Planets wandering around the sky. They will wonder, Scripture says. In our churches, we have the same thing happening. We've had this gold dust phenomenon that's come along. And people have been wowed by it. And if you don't get a sprinkling of gold dust, then there's something wrong with your spirituality. This is one of those things. It's, it's a wow thing. The latest thing is power preaching. That's on TV now. Power teachings. And if you don't sit under the specific type of teaching, if you don't walk on water when you go out of that church and do all kinds of amazing signs, there's something wrong with your faith. Power teaching. See, human beings, we are always wanting these signs to look at. Even in Jesus' time, they were always asking for signs. We've got to think about signs as human beings. And so this beast will bring about signs to get people's attention so that their worship is not where it should be. Human beings are to worship the only God who is there to be worshipped. 
And that is the real God. This beast will pull them away with religious distractions. And there are many of those around too today. People are willing to listen to any religion except Christianity in this country. And I've told you this before, I go down to Wellington Waterfront and there's this bunch of normal looking Kiwis, like most of you, and they're sitting there and they've come over by this Eastern mysticism, playing drums there, dressed up in cloaks. Cyclists coming by, doing the normal thing. But come and speak to them about Jesus Christ, they'll tell you to get lost. Distractions, this beast at work. The third thing he uses is terror, verse 15. Those who would not worship the, the beast or the image of the beast are killed. Speaking about real death here. Believers killed for not standing up and bowing to this image. We already this morning had the example of Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den. He would not stand. He would not bow before this image and worship it. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, I mentioned last time, they would not worship this image that was created and so they had to pay the price. But there was an amazing deliverance for them. Today in Eritrea, if you think it's not happening today, I want to read you a little extract here. Eritrea is a strict dictatorship just to the north of Ethiopia on the borders. The government continues a crackdown on evangelical churches and Christians Currently, almost a thousand Eritrean Christians are in prison for their faith in Eritrea. None of them has been charged or tried. It's all because of religious ideologies. This is in the latest, whatever this is, um, Voice of the Martyrs, April. And a pastor there, uh, sorry, a doctor who has been serving there, speaks about the president who's strongly Marxist. And he's been indoctrinated by Mao's ideas. And his background is the communist ideology of there is no God. We want to control the people. We want to control religion. And he says, yes, it's more of, of a control. He wants everybody to worship him so that so he knew he was not going to get it from Christians because we believe it's only God whom we worship. And he didn't like this idea, so that's why he became very strongly against Christians. Do you see the mark of the beast at work? Eritrea, 2018. What else does he use? This beast uses coercion through this mark that he puts on people and the name he gives them. Verses 16 to 17. Look at what it says. Also it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. Now who knows what's going to happen in the future of humanity, however much future we still have left here. There could come a time when, yes, we all have to work through chips implanted in us. And the only way you can buy and get on buses and public transport is because of implanted chips or a cell phone that's hyper-connected or whatever. Who knows what that's going to be. But is that the mark of the beast? No, that's just technology advancing. Don't get sidetracked into these things. We need to see more than that, you see. You see, in the Old Testament, God told Israel that the Torah, the, the books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that they were there to be a 
died for people. And the Lord said this to them in Exodus 13.9. He said, they need to serve as a sign to you on your hand and as a reminder to you on your forehead. So what did the Pharisees go and do? Literally. They went and made these little phylacteries. Alright? They tied the Word of God on their forehead. Sorry. The little box. You often see it with devout um, Jews. They've got this box on the head and then also the promises of God on their hands, on their right hand. Why? In order to remind them continually of their commitment and their loyalty to God. They've gone and taken it literally. Well, this is just a copy of that. What the beast wants to do is do the same. And so he puts a mark on the forehead and on the right hand of his followers. You see, this mark on the forehead, what's that all about? The forehead represents the ideological commitment, the mind and the heart commitment to this beast. And the hand is the practical outworking of that commitment. That's how it was understood in biblical times. I believe in God the Father and I want to serve Him and I, I believe His Word. It's tied to my head and, and it lives out into my hand in the way I live out every day. That's what, how it was meant to be understood. And all this beast does is he copies this idea. These are not literal marks we're speaking about. In the New Testament, the equivalent is the invisible seal or the name of God, which God puts on his own. You don't see people walking around with the name of God, Yahweh, on their name, on their heads. We don't see that. But can you recognize someone who's a believer? Yes, you recognize it through their lives. Can you recognize someone who's not a believer? Yes, you can see the mark on their lives. You don't need a number. So if you're going down this literal route, it's a distraction. Don't go down there. This beast imitates with his own seal on the hand and on the forehead, implying commitment to his cause. And there'll be no exceptions, says our verses. Small and great, rich and poor, free men and slaves, all will be affected. In John's day, they used marks on people. They knew these things well. Slaves were branded. So when you became a slave, you got the slave mark on you. The name of your owner on you. If you were a bond slave, you got the oil driven through your ear into the doorpost of the house where you were going to serve. And that was a mark. It wasn't a fashion statement, as it is today. Soldiers, when they joined Caesar's armies, they got a tattoo on their arms. S-P-Q-R. Now my Latin's no good, so I'll read this. Senatus Populusque Romanus. What did that mean? It means belonging to the people and the Senate of Rome. That's what it was. Today it's become a popular, a popular tattoo. And it means owned by man. And people wear it all over. It's a big thing in America now. Belonging to man. Do you see the work of the beast? The fingerprints of the beast at work. And so what does he do? The beast makes it so that anyone who hasn't got that mark on them can't trade. They can't earn a living. They will starve. It's been used many times in history. In my own experience, I went to Malawi as a student. I sat there on the market at Zomba, which is one of the towns in Malawi. 
And as I've sat at the market, there were soldiers at the gates of the market and they would check. And the locals had to come and show their party cards. And if you didn't have the right party card, you weren't allowed to go into the market. You weren't, couldn't buy food. You had to find another place to get food. Zimbabwe had the same type of thing just before the elections. Coercion. People not belonging to a specific party. Sorry, you're not going to get helped. Ration cards during the war. Now they were used, put out for a good purpose, but they were misused. In communist regimes, specifically Bulgaria, many, many examples of a misuse of these things. Coercion, if you don't belong to a specific way of thinking. Today, what does it look like? Well, it's a bit more subtle in many ways, but in many businesses, a business will not take you on if you will not use slightly dubious ways, if you won't do cash jobs sometimes. My own brother-in-law was dismissed from a company in South Africa because he wouldn't use underhand methods in dealing with buying shares and selling shares. Shortcuts. And I'm going to stick my neck out a bit now. Not unusual. The pressure of biculturalism in this country in every single facet of everything we do is also a coercion by the powers that be. We as Christians are known by another mark, the mark of Jesus Christ, and Him we serve first in everything we do. And that will show love to anyone in front of us. It doesn't matter which culture they are. We are to show the love of Jesus Christ. We don't need a mark. We don't need to be forced to show love and to show consideration. Verse 18, this calls for understanding, says our text. It does not call for cleverness. Verse 18 says, this calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. So what do people do? The first thing they see is the word calculate. And so what do they do? They start taking all the Hebrew numbers, which are assigned values in the Hebrew alphabet, and they start calculating all kinds of things and coming up with a list of leaders' names who are the Antichrist. That's not what it means. Calculate here means not a literal calculation of numbers, but it's spiritual discernment. It means work it out. Work it out. This takes wisdom. This mark of the beast is not something physical any more than the seal on the foreheads of Christians is that we see in Revelation chapter 7 verse 3. It's talking about a spiritual reality and here it is. Everyone is marked out for their loyalty to the beast or their loyalty to God. There are only two marks on people. You are either loyal to God or you are loyal to the beast. People know you are a Christian or people know you're a non-Christian. The numbers in Revelation are always used symbolically. The number seven is the perfect number 
for God. And the number three is the divine number for the Trinity. And so triple seven is the number representing God in His fullness. And the number 666 is man in His fullness. There's always a coming short of God. Man pretending to be God. Constantly falling short of God. 666 is short of 777. And what you need therefore in order to conquer the beast and his number, you need to be moved from 666 to 777. You need the input of God himself in your life. You need God to take you from the mark of the beast on your life to the mark of God on your life. You will always fall short of God if he doesn't get involved in your life. If he doesn't put his own number, his own seal on your life. Do you get what I'm saying? And it doesn't matter what you fill your life with. You can fill your life with anything on this earth. Any amount of money, any amount of excitement, any amount of the next big rave, any amount of the next big wow thing. You will never get to where you should be before God. You will always come short and have that seal of 666 on your life. Because God needs to change that number. And only He can change that number. And give you a new one. You need to move from failure to perfection. And only God can do that in your life. What a contrast when we look at chapter 14. Just glance a little bit ahead, I'm cheating. And I won't speak too much on this because Michael has to next week. But chapter 14 verse 1 to 5. Look at the contrast now. We've just come from the scene of the beast. Coercing people to worship this this first beast. But look at chapter 14. Then I looked and behold, on Mount Zion stood the real Lamb. And with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder. That's always God in his omnipresence and his power. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpers playing on their harps. And they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. It is these who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. The right hand. They have been redeemed from mankind as first fruits for God and the Lamb. And in their mouth no lie was found for they are blameless. What a different picture. The Lamb and those who have His name and His Father's name permanently inscribed on their foreheads. That is a beautiful picture that stands in stark contrast to this picture of this beast who coerces and who forces worship. So what do we do with all this now? Sorry, I've got no list of 666 leaders for you. I'm sorry, I try to work on that, but I ran out of time. Not. I didn't even bother. You see, it's all about worship. This passage today is all about worship. Who do you worship? And depending on who you worship is the number you're going to have on your head and on your hands. So is it false worship or true worship? In the past, the word secular meant non-Christian. Or non-religious. You secular. But today secular has changed its meaning. It means 
human flourishing. Bear with me. You see, the goal of life and its activities today is to help me to flourish as an individual and to help us as a community to flourish. I hear that often from politicians. So that's the goal. For us to flourish. Don't you want to flourish? You see, I am at the centre of my life, not God. Or anyone else for that matter. Human autonomy is now of the utmost importance to us in this country. And so you'll get statements like, and I've had it in the media, who is your God to tell me how to live? Who is your God to tell me what to believe? Or even how to die? How I do church or how I don't do church, how I take my coffee, how I end my own life, is my affair. It's about me. It's all about me and fl- me flourishing. And all those decisions are at the same level. You see, in the church it looks like this. Human flourishing or autonomy influences how I interact with God's Word. I'm a consumer. But in the wrong sense of the word. Because I see how God is meeting my needs and my aspirations. Instead of me wanting to worship God and who He is, I look at God's Word and I see, how is God helping me? How is He helping me meet my aspirations? It's all about me. And so... I can worship Him the way I want to worship Him. If I want gold dust falling on me, well, I arrange it. If I want to be wowed by things, I can arrange that. If I don't want to listen to parts of this, I can do that. It's about me. If I don't want to meet in God's house with God's people, I can do that too. And I meet many people like that outside of churches. It's about me. You see the fingerprints of this beast? Because he's giving an alternative to worship. It's worship of me. That's the image that's been created in the image of the beast. He's pointing to another God. He's pointing to another master. And it contradicts the first commandment. I am the Lord your God. There shall be no other gods before me, says Almighty God. And so I want to ask you a few pointed questions. As I've been asking myself. Has your and my comfort zone, our human flourishing zone, taken the place of our loyalty to the real Lamb? Are you and I weak in our faith, where we should be stronger? Where do we see this? I see that so often in our teenagers. Lonely Christian guy or girl looking for love and they decide to take a shortcut and to date a non-Christian. Where God's word contradicts that. And they look for that quick fix relationship and their reasoning is the following. Love is good, right? I may, be, I may even be able to persuade my boyfriend or girlfriend to become a Christian. You see, they've been tricked by this beast. 
He's tweaking the truth, which is no longer truth. It's called the love scam. He steals their worship. And if you're a believer, I want to plead with you, if you're thinking in that way, will you stay in that place of disobedience to God? Because that's what it is. You're worshipping another God. Come back and worship the true God. Not just in your heart and your mind, but through your hand. The extension of your worship. The way you interact with His Word in society and life now. Don't take shortcuts with His Word. There is hope for you. And we're going to find this hope in the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 11. We're a lot in Daniel today. Thanks, Colin. Daniel chapter 11. Let's look at what God's Word says. Interesting verses these. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 to 35. Speaking about the king of the north which represents evil. But look at the effects. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32. He shall seduce with flattery those who violate, violate the, the covenant. There's Satan's tactic. There's this beast's tactic. He violates he, with flattery. Those, sorry, he uses flattery against those who violate the covenant. But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. And the wise among the people shall make many understand, though for some days they shall stumble by sword and flame, by captivity and plunder. When they stumble, they shall receive a little help, and many shall join themselves to them with flattery, and some of the wise shall stumble, so that they may be refined, purified and made white until the end of the time, until the time of the end, for it, is, for it still awaits the appointed time. What's that verse saying there for us in Daniel? It says that flattery is going to be used against those who have violated the covenant of God. That's the stealth he uses. But there is hope there if we come and we confess our sins to the Lord and if we come and put our hope in Jehovah God again, then it will just be for a little while and though you may stumble, you will walk again because He will refine you and make you white until the time of the end. He will do it. There is hope to be found. Don't give up and listen to the lie which says, I've sinned, I can never go back again to God. He will forgive if you come. But don't carry on listening to those lies of Satan. Secondly, Satan attacks the church directly through this beast of deceit and doctrinal confusion. How does he do that? I want to ask you today, where do many believers get their truth from today? In many believers' homes you'll find the Bible lying there dusty. They haven't been opened for a long time. Many of the phones... The Bible program hasn't been switched on for a very long time to keep in the modern speak. In churches, God's Word is not directly referred to much anymore. And so where do believers get their truth from? They get it from the internet, the gospel according to Google. They get it from TV. And there's some good programs, but there's some really bad ones. And they get it from society's views imposed on them. How many believers I meet whose views have been shaped by society and how they see things? And so the beast tries to turn believers, that is the church, away from the truth. 
Untruth is very close to the truth. And when supposed Christian teachers and preachers take their primary cues from the surrounding culture instead of from God's Word, they corrupt the covenant community spiritually in front, sitting in front of them by, encourage them by encouraging them to live lives by the norms and the faith of society. And so they ultimately oppose the reign of God and Christ in those people's lives. And that's why in the Baptist Union and in other church unions we have the homosexual clergy debate happening. And that is why we have this whole discussion about the, the definition of what it is to be a man and a woman today and serving God in those roles. Because society is pushing its norms on us. The fingerprints of the beast in the church. Thirdly, I want to ask you this morning, do you want to persevere in the faith? Do you want to stand against this beast and what he brings against you? Then know the truth. Know the Word. Know the true Lamb so that you can discern untruth when it comes in front of you. If you don't know the truth, if it hasn't become part of your life, then this beast will, will be able to deceive you. But if you know the truth, and if you're living it out through your right hand, and you know what I'm saying now, if it's become part of your life, then he will not be able to deceive you. But if we play fast and loose with God's truth to suit our own conveniences, this beast will wound you. And he will wound you as a believer severely and he might even cause you to stumble. Be warned. There are many wounded and stumbling believers stumbling around life today. I'll give an example from my favourite publication, the Wanganui Chronicle. This was an article on the 23rd of March. Listen to what it sounds like. It's a believer writing. A certain writer, and I won't mention her name at all, uh, writes about her personal childlike faith and her distrust of modern biblical scholarship. Personally, I have found that modern studies help me to grow up and to leave behind infantile beliefs. Biblical scholarship, history and theology are all enlightening and the scholarly debate is fun. Sadly, most churches are too scared or too lazy to engage with it or they actively discourage it. Many Christians exasperated by the lack of intellectual stimulation have left the churches but continue their Christian lives, listen to this, patiently longing for something to get their teeth into. Meanwhile, the churches bewail the lack of attendance. The job for us in the 21st century is to grow up and learn to collaborate with God, inspired with the humanity and death of Jesus. The sort of Christian faith with which your thought for today writers compose is dull, banal, fundamentalist and largely ignorant of 21st century debates. For heaven's sake, brighten it up. That's the believer speaking. You see the marks of beast, twisting of the truth. And so I want to ask you lastly this morning, whose mark is in your life? Whose mark is on your life? Is it the mark of God Himself or the mark of the beast? If you're not sure, who do you worship every day? Who do you serve with your time? Who do you serve with your resources? 
Who do you serve with your energy? It will show you. Or have you perhaps been blinded by the God of this world? Have you been blinded by this God? 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 says this. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He's the real image of God. If you're not a believer here today, the news for you is you have been blinded by Satan. The number 666 is on your life. But that's not the end. If you would bow the knee to the real God, He will change that mark on your life. He will give you light and life where there currently is only darkness and death. But you need to come and bow the knee to Jesus Christ. He is Lord of heaven and earth. But you need to come. Don't leave it. You will stay under the power of the other master, the one who is no God at all. Amen. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank you that you put us in this world to be lights of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Lord, forgive your church because so many times, Lord, our light has become dulled because we've got distracted by all kinds of other issues and all kinds of other calculations and all kinds of other societal pressures. And we no longer live out the clear light of Jesus Christ. Help us to come back to first priorities. Help us to come and worship the one true God alone. Help us to step away from worship of ourselves however subtle that might happen to us. And Lord, help us to worship Jesus Christ first. Let there be no other gods in our lives. And when we do, the mark of the heavenly, our Heavenly Father will shine brightly from our lives. 777, saved by eternal God. Help us, we pray. Help us not to get caught up in endless and foolish debates but to keep ourselves sharp for the kingdom, fighting for our God, soldiers in the service of Jesus Christ. Help us, we pray. Amen.